0: Well, I want to start with kind of a, what would we call it, a rhetorical question. And that question would be, who's running your life? Can you answer that in a quick, you don't have to, don't raise your hand. Uh, Can you answer that in a quick, because one or two things or names or, I knew someone's going to answer right away. you Me, men kind of just look over at your eyes and go, that's who's running things. Um, all right, so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But before we dive into that, into detail, I want to I just ask you, i put you on the spot here, and this is a tough challenge, but we talked about walking in two things last week. They were both L words. Can anybody name one of them? Love, good. What's the other L word? Think of a candle. Yeah, right. All right. So walking in love and walking in light. My computer unhooked on me here again. Um bear with me guys. I'm not a good multitasker. And I actually don't think anybody's a good multitasker. That's my theory. All right. Thanks. Um, Walking in love, walking in light, And so we've been in this section of Ephesians where it's walking or living, or how are we going to live things out? The things that we know Christ has done for us, and then trying to live those things out. So we're going to continue on that idea today. Before we do, let's just, again, some of these are rhetorical questions. And so I'm just going to let you kind of uh, answer out loud if you want to, but you certainly don't have to. Who are some people in your life that you would consider wise? And who are some people in your life that you consider foolish? When I ask that question, do some people come into your mind that are on the wise list and some other people you're like, yeah, these people are, are foolish? And there's a pretty clear distinction. And so my question would be then, what makes the difference? What, what is making you say these people are wise or somewhat wise and these people are foolish or somewhat foolish. Let's kind of think about that. And then, can anybody can anybody remember a passage that what Jesus says about who is wise and who is foolish? If not, we're going to get into it today. I'm only going to give you to the count of three. One, I think two, three. Jesus. Okay. Jesus wasn't alive in the present.
1: Um, Just
0: (laughs) joking. I'm just messing. (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Say answer again. I'm sorry. Yes, we'll get into that. You're up. Um, What do you think when you hear the phrase "filled with the Spirit"? You don't have to answer that out loud, but we probably all have different ideas of what that means and what happens when people are filled by the Spirit. And we might all have different. All these things are the things that we're going to be talking about in more detail today. So I'm gonna, we're going to talk about who's running your life. We're going to talk about right living and being spirit-controlled. And let me read these verses, and we'll pray one more time. We're continuing on in Ephesians. If you want to turn to the passage on your phone or in your Bible, um, paper Bible, you would turn to Ephesians 5. We're going to do 15 through 21 today. See then that you walk circumspectly, or carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil boy we can all attest to that huh therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the lord is and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or some of your bibles may say debauchery but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the lord giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Boy, there's a lot there, isn't there? We're going to talk about that. and Hopefully it all makes sense and be real applicable as we continue on. But let me pray one more time. Father, we thank you for your word. We do trust that your word is right and true, uh, no matter the time, no matter the circumstances. and So we want to rely on your word, what you've told us. Please help us to see how to live based on these verses and how to view you in light of these verses. And I know that you can work in people's hearts. That's not my job. That's not us to do for each other, but that's what you do. And so I just trust that you would work in each person's heart here the way that they need to be worked on. We pray these
1: things in your son's name. Amen
0: so we're going to talk about these three things and I'm going to move quickly. Uh, Like I said, I, I I just don't want to get too bogged down over the next few weeks. um, Over the next few chapters, I'll say that, but right living. So we're going to talk about watching your step, making the most of every opportunity and using your head. That's another one of those ones. Do you remember? I think it was last week when I said snap out of it. You remember that? That's one of those sayings that some Maybe some of you grew up hearing, like, snap out of it. Use your head. I feel like that was one that I heard quite often. Use your head. You need to use your head. And you'd say, like, uh, I remember saying to my dad something like, something would go horribly wrong. I did something. And I'd be like, uh, I didn't think I'd be trying to say, like, I didn't think that would happen. He's like, that's
1: exactly right. You weren't thinking
0: like, okay, I can't wait. I'm just sorry for trying to explain. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs>
0: I didn't think I didn't think the whole thing would catch on fire. He's like, that's right. You weren't thinking um, anyway. So when I say use your head, we'll, we'll we'll talk about what that means a little bit in light of the passage. OK, that is just, just a phrase that came to my mind. Um, so first, watching your step. He says, see then that you walk circumspectly, kind of big fancy word, or see that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. And so as we talk about that, according to the Bible, who are fools and who are wise? Carly hit on some of it. Who does the Bible say is wise? Those who follow Christ. Good. Any other thoughts, Ginger? Fear of the Lord, those who fear God. Good. So then who would be the fools? Go their own way. Kind of try to run things, run life their way. And so I know this is small. I just kind of want to use this as maybe it'll be something that uh, you can just get the concept of. You don't need to read every, every letter of it. But scripture says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that we need to realize what that means is it doesn't mean we run around just afraid that God's going to squash us all the time. The fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. It would be more like a good, healthy parent-child relationship where they understand that their parent is the one in charge and that things go the way the parents say things go. It's not just up to whichever kid yells the loudest. That the the parent is the one in charge and things are going to go the way the parent has designed it. Now, we as parents are flawed and sometimes make mistakes, but God is not. And so the fear of the Lord is understanding he's the one in charge. The world operates according to his rules, not my rules, not the government's rules, not society's rules. The world operates according to God's rules. That's the fear of the Lord is understanding that and acknowledge and surrendering to that. So what God and his laws are absolute, what God says is good is whatever out of his infinite goodness, justice, love, he states to be ultimately for man's blessing or for God's glory. So God says something's good. If it's really for the good of man and it's really for his glory, that's what is good in God's eyes. What God says is evil what he rejects is that which is inconsistent or not matched up with who he is, his perfect righteousness. And so we think of sin as like, oh, those guys uh, went out behind the building and smoked some weed and this and that. That's sin. God has a lot bigger picture of sin. His picture of sin is the idea of anything that's not perfectly matched up with his character. So if you're not as loving as God, that's You fall into the sin category in that one. Now, that's not to be condemning, but that's just to realize we desperately need God's grace. None of us measure up. And so the idea here is if God says something, it's against God's purposes, God's ways, then it's sin. In other words, God says what's right and God says what's evil. And that is what is right. And that is what is evil. Now, we can see in society, it's been all flipped around. Even scripture says that. That people say what is good is evil and evil is good. And you can see now society trying to say like, well, we have to embrace this wicked life. They, don't, they wouldn't say like this. We have to embrace this wicked lifestyle if we're really going to be loving. And what does God say? No. Because what God says is evil is evil. And can you see how the world tries to mash it up and they're using their own judgment? And we all do that. It's really obvious with some of the things going on in our society. I don't even have to go into details. If you watch twenty minutes of news a week, you understand all the uh, the drag queen stuff in the schools and the this and the that. Like you get it. You understand what I'm talking about. And they're trying to pass that off as good. And that's what we see here: self or man, whatever's personally thought. At the present, at this moment, to be most beneficial to myself, the most important people, or the greatest number of people. So it's, would that be subjective? That's subjective, isn't it? It's going to change depending on the circumstances, depending on the times, depending on what year it is, depending on uh, who the people are involved. And that's not how God operates. God says, this is right, and this is wrong. And so... Uh, I say whatever is evil is whatever I reject, right? So I can say, this is okay, that's okay, that's okay, this is okay. Well, you've moved into the evil evil category because I do not approve of this. And we may be right on some of those things, but we are not the ultimate authority on any of it. God is the ultimate authority. So I just kind of clear up when he says, live as wise people, not as fools. What he's in essence saying is... You need to live according to God's program, not anybody else's program, not your program, not the school's program, not uh, even a church's program. If it's out of sync with what God's program is, if it's out of line with what God's program is, it's unwise. It's foolish. You with me? Does that make sense? All right. And so he says, walk circumspectly or walk carefully. And, uh, So I kind of just um, using driving as an example, just as we need to be continuously on guard while driving due to constantly changing conditions. So too, we must be careful of our living, beware of living on autopilot. And so we need to constantly beware of how we're living, right? Just like when you're driving, maybe you're paying a lot of attention when you back out. Maybe you're paying a lot of attention until you get out of your neighborhood because that's all that really matters to you. Or maybe you're paying attention because you had a close call. But when do accidents happen? Very often when you're not. I mean, it may be while you're paying attention, but when you're not paying attention. So we need to constantly be on guard because our circumstances are constantly changing. And so for us as Christians... We need to realize, I'm at home with my family, and this is what's going on with my family. I'm here at my work, and this is what's happening around me. I'm here at church, and this is what seems to be happening in this relationship. I'm, I'm, I'm over here in uh, this health crisis, and these are what people are telling me. We need to be aware constantly of how we're going to live in each and every situation, because each and every situation, we need the wisdom of God. And praise God, he gives us wisdom. We'll talk a little bit more about this for every, I believe every situation we need wisdom for. He tells us how to operate in a family. He tells us how to operate with bosses. He tells us how to operate when someone's rude or foolish or whatever. He gives us wisdom to do that. Um, <clears throat> I've been saying this for quite, quite a few years and it's uh, it's a humbling thought to consider we're all one or two dumb mistakes away from ruin, ruining our life. And I'll tell you, especially I, I think about it, maybe I've thought about it as a pastor because you see so many pastors um, end up ministering and then all of a sudden, boom, fall into deep sin. It usually happens from one or two dumb mistakes. If they would have avoided these one or two dumb mistakes, they wouldn't end up in the mess they're in. And I just want you to think about for you personally, one or two dumb mistakes, you could totally wreck a marriage. One or two dumb mistakes, you could absolutely ruin your career. One or two dumb mistakes, you could have a relationship with your child severed forever. That's a humiliating consideration, and it's important, so now you're like, "Oh, we do need to be careful of how we walk." A couple of dumb steps, and I could make a mess. That not, might not be able to get fixed here on this earth You might have to wait till heaven to be changed so kind of a sobering thought just like driving around like we can get i mean you accidents in phoenix are crazy right it's just everywhere constant accidents we see people's lives being wrecked everywhere around us don't we we need to be careful because we are those people that could have our lives wrecked, where none of us are above it. I praise God that he gives us his word and tells us, like, here's how to handle things. It doesn't mean you're going to get out of life on scratch here, but it's going to avoid you from causing the accidents. A good passage for this, Ecclesiastes 10.1. As a dead fly causes even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils a great wisdom and honor. So you get one or two flies in a bottle of perfume, it's rotten, stinky. You can have this wonderful life and get a couple of flies that you didn't take care of or get out of the ointment, and it could rot your entire life experience. You with me? Can you guys relate to that? And it's a scary thought, isn't it? So then he goes on to say, make the most of every opportunity. So first he says, walk carefully. And then what he's essentially saying is make the most of every opportunity, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And I just, I kind of want to, he's saying the days are evil. So make the most of these opportunities, make the most of the time you have. A lot of us want to just say, let's just make everything better. And what he's saying is the days are evil. That's fact. He's not saying if the days get evil, Or if you stumble into some evil days, like that's a fact, that's not changing. The days are evil. So, what we need to do is make the most of every opportunity. What kind of positive opportunities present themselves during evil times? We won't belabor this, but anybody have an idea? Are there any opportunities that present themselves during evil times that aren't there? Okay, maybe if evil's been done to us, we have a, a chance and our opportunity to handle it righteously, or Skip up and come
1: alongside somebody that's
0: it. we have we have an opportunity to come alongside and guide someone through the evil days. Again, I, I'm going to keep hitting this because we need to be doing that for our young people, our kids especially, or maybe even someone who's new to the faith and they just don't get how it works yet. Growth opportunity, yeah, it's kind of this. Uh, Next question, why do dark and difficult times sometimes produce the most growth in us? I went around the room and I said, when did you mature the most or grow up? Or what caused you to grow up? Most of you wouldn't be like, I was just cruising along, enjoying summer breaks, having a good time. Everything was smooth. My folks were really happy with what I was doing. I was making all right choices. Uh, I was getting awards, and that really caused me to grow. Most of us is like, I fell on my face. I call it, because this has happened to me, I call it getting hit in the face with a two-by-four of your own sin. That's happened to me. Just thinking everything's fine and feel like someone just took a two-by-four and whacked me across the face. But what hit me was my own sin. I made such a mess out of something. And that's what caused the most growth is sometimes my own problems or also being involved in Just a difficult situation. Sometimes we do have to step up. Also, what kind of things happen if we don't make the most of every opportunity? What will happen? We get swept away in it. Good. Drift away from God. Yeah. I I think the darkness will just be allowed to prevail, won't it? If there's not a few people lighting their candle or trying to keep their candle going or trying to help keep other people's candles going, what happens? All the candles begin to go out. And again, ultimately, we know Christ uh, is sovereign over all that. But it's important for us to make the most of the opportunities here. During this messed up time that we live in, we need to be making the most of those opportunities. So, so far we have that we need to be making the most of those opportunities. Right. And we need to be watching our step, watching our step and making the most of the opportunities. I just want to quickly, I'm not going to take much time on this. If you think, well, it's too difficult. God wants to use all things to make us more like his son. So on this side. You'll see some really positive things. Oh, maybe you had a godly influence or this cool you have birth of a child or some good Bible teaching or you got a raise at work. you got an answered prayer. you got improved health. And all those things, God says, all these are things. These are good things. Yeah, Bless you. But God wants to use these things to work together for good if you love God, called according to his purpose. And the purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son. So basically, this is what God says is good. Make you more like Jesus. Godly influences, make you more like Jesus. Birth of a child, how can that make you more like Jesus? All these, a raise at work, how can that make you more like Jesus? Answer prayer, how can that make you more like Jesus? All of those things. Sometimes, though, it's these other things. Through an accident, how does God want to use this to make me more like Jesus? Unemployment, how can God use this to make me more like Jesus? I don't have to read every single thing on here You get it, Right? unanswered prayer. When I say unanswered prayer, I understand God ultimately answers yes, no, wait. I, I understand that, but you understand what I mean by unanswered prayer. You're going like, God, I've asked for this to change. I've asked for this to change. I've asked for um, God wants to use all those things to make us more like His son. So as you pray for opportunities, I would encourage you, when you pray for opportunities in the middle of a mess, pray that God would do something spiritual in you. Use your head. It says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand. That's a use your head saying right there. Understand what the will of the Lord is. When we hear will of the Lord, we hear like, I'm just not sure if it's God's will for me to uh, get this job. I'm not sure if it's God's will for me to marry so-and-so. I'm not sure if it's God's will for me to um, take this ministry role. I don't believe this is what this passage is speaking about. I think what he's saying to understand what God's wills or desires are, what God wants, what God says is right. And so he says, that's going to take some understanding. And so it takes intellectual work. You guys are doing some of that right now. And that's, there are different teaching styles in in church and all over. Some people get up here and preach and they really have a a, a way to move you emotionally and and they can uh, use God's word in such a way that it just moves you. Other people have a way of teaching God's word that maybe is a little bit more of a percolating into the head, hoping it goes into the heart. And I believe that's the way God's designed me, charts and drawing and doing this and doing that. This morning, we're doing some intellectual work. We're looking at the scripture, picking it apart and saying, this is what this means. This is what this means. This is how this applies to life. This is, but that takes work, right? Either you're right now thinking about the ham sandwich you're going to make this afternoon and what kind of soup you want to have with it, or you're, or something else, or you're with me and you're kind of like, okay, I'm trying to follow, this makes some sense, I understand that a little, and so it does take some mental work to follow along, to understand scripture, and the whole thing we do, we do this because we want to see what God wants, That's why we're taking the time to do this, to look at this and say, what does God say about us in life? And so God tells us all kinds of different things, different situations. What are we to do when we're wrong? That takes some intellectual work. What does God say? To find out what God's will is, what God wants us to do when we are wrong. What are we to do when we're feeling anxious, fearful, or angry? God wants us to figure
1: out what to do. Anybody here experience fear this week, anxiety, anger, all three, plus a couple other other ones? Just to find out how to deal with that. That's some intellectual work. That will take for us to understand what the will of the Lord is or what God's desire is in any given situation. Going to take this. And as a parent, that changes constantly, isn't it? understanding, how does God want me to raise my toddler? how does God want me to raise my teenager you're going to probably use maybe some similar things but not exactly we need to find out what God says enjoy true spiritual life so, so uh, uh, just that idea first this one says first desires. Is the, the first step, step. right? Right we we need, need to find, to find what God it. says, what God wants. Right. It. Okay. Okay. you like my words? like, I according my to my rules? So, it's so, it so, my rules. Cool. So rules here, you're here, it's still, it's still a less match. Um, I try, try to get it, I it's like the code t- of t- t- war. of so your life. What do you do? Hottest, man. That is where we, I feel I like. Feel like <laughs> 12, 12, 12. <laughs> I realize, realize that God is, God, God, is God, God and I am and I am not. And sometimes, sometimes that's a really, really difficult thing for us for us to get over. And we can get it. and then they and then can wrestle, wrestle with, with others. others. And for and a lot for it's for it's kind of times, and I I said that's you and what what I about, and about, it's it's not even so I would custom problems. Sometimes sometimes I'm feeling like my job job to do God's God's job. Like like I need I need to achieve society what is right what is there because they're clearly my way out getting it. And at, and at that point I don't I I mean my one might, might you want want to be a it, but I I need to do a waste way. But man I'll tell so you something so that's a wrestler wrestler. And I think You're I think it's my job to try and take everybody out off the job If I had my So I'm. He's you know, up, you know, get in front of them and slow down. Slaying, and that's teaching them they need to drive faster but fast last yeah. Like, I'm going to teach Phoenix. Now, is that me trying to be God? Not letting God be God? No, no. And um, so I, I can say that because I know there's a few of you that have similar things. And those of you that don't
0: are on the other side that probably need someone to be teaching you thinking everything's fine.
1: Do that. Just notice if people are getting in front of you and hitting your brakes and doing stuff like that, like maybe you need to consider how you're driving. Maybe they're trying to teach us out of that.
0: Uh, I kind of make him right there, and, and <laughs> like Is that pastor, Rich? did he get a new vehicle? He's driving a Prius now. Uh, um, I'm making light to try and hit a, an important point, and that's one thing in traffic. But we all have the ways that we're trying to be God. Maybe it's in our family. Maybe it's in our job. Maybe it's in our driving. Maybe it's whatever it might be in control of uh, circumstances, a health thing. And we're thinking we can fix it. It's going to, we can make it better. And the wise person says, God is God and I am not. Things always work his way. It may or may not work my way. The only way it is, is if it's aligned with God's way, because he's the boss. Make sense? So next being spirit controlled, I'm going to move kind of quickly through this because some of this we're going to come back and hit later, but he says, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation or debauchery, but be filled with the spirit. And so I just want to go into a, a little bit of the, the passage here. Um, and, and again, this is kind of a high flyover. Being drunk with wine means being under its influence or being under its control. Um anyone who's been drunk in here before knows that you're not in complete control that there's something influencing you right and dissipation means don't be drunk with wine and and let me just say this too wine here that was kind of the drink of the day you're like well i don't get drunk with wine i get drunk with beer i don't get drunk with wine i drink bourbon or whatever it is like that's not what we're talking about what he's saying is uh, any substance that's controlling you the idea in this verse. Is don't be controlled by things, be controlled by God. Don't be controlled by a substance, but be controlled by God. And being uh, dissipation is being senseless, useless. It's the exact opposite of what we talked about redeeming the time and making the most of our, the opportunities. So don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to say this. There are some people here that this is going to kind of fly over their head. You're like, you're not even uh, familiar with some of this terminology. But there's a difference between being indwelt by the Holy Spirit and filled by the Holy Spirit. So what I'm saying is this. You remember a gingerbread man? And when you're made new, you're born again. You are given a new spirit. That is in you. You are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin the holy spirit is there the holy spirit sticks the holy spirit it says is in ephesians we talked about is the seal that carries us through to the day of redemption it's permanent permanently indwelled by the holy spirit when you put your faith and trust in christ you're permanently made new so when you hear being filled and he's talking to christians here he's not talking about like oh i lost the holy spirit i need to get it back Oh, I messed up. I lost the Holy Spirit again. I need to get back, filled back up. How can I get some Holy Spirit in me? He's not talking about that. He's talking about his being controlled. And you can see it from the passage here. Because what he's talking about is being under the control of the Holy Spirit. Don't be under the control of alcohol. Be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit be the one controlling you. And I think something that's interesting here, some people say that what he's alluding here to is, some. remember how we talked about as a pagan group? Is that there were these celebration, these false gods, that part of the ceremony involved this like drinking and partying, and it was kind of like they would have this feeling of you know being drunk and uh, celebrating and kind of an ecstasy and feeling all great and feeling all good, and they associated that with something spiritual. And what Paul's trying to help them see here is like, hey, that old stuff you do to be spiritual and get these warm fuzzies and feel all great and euphoric. Don't do that. That is not spiritual. What's spiritual is letting God control you. That's true spiritual. And so there's a few parallels here. And in Acts 2, some of you guys know the Holy Spirit says came upon the individuals. And what did the individuals do that the Holy Spirit came upon? Does anyone remember? What did they do? They spoke in tongues and they preached. And so they spoke in different languages. There's debates about all that. I'm not going to get into the details of that. But it said that the observers thought that they were drunk. They were being controlled by the Holy Spirit. But something was so different that they thought these guys are not behaving. There's something going on here. And they thought they were drunk. He said, no, they're not drunk. They're being influenced or controlled by the Holy Spirit which it's interesting to, uh, you know, we've come to say that uh, alcohol would be spirits, right? You know, I think there's a, a parallel there. Why? Because it comes in and, and has an uh, influence and a controlling effect on us.
1: So a few parallels between being under
0: the influence of alcohol and or the Holy spirit. So some of these, you could kind of look at, depending what it looks like. Someone who is drunk, you might fall into one of these categories or, uh, you know, or you would have fallen into one of these categories, unusual boldness or courage. Someone who drinks might get a little bit more gutsy to go ask the girl out, or might all of a sudden become liquid courage guy and want to fight everybody in the bar, right? Now, all of a sudden, filled with this courage that they wouldn't have. The alcohol controls them to where that's what they, it it has an effect on who they become, what they're doing. Christian under the control of the Holy Spirit may have a courage to share Christ that they wouldn't otherwise have a courage to speak up at work that they wouldn't otherwise have a courage to conf- uh, confront a sin that they otherwise would not confront. They're given this, but you can, you see the idea here, you're being controlled in a way that's evil and foolish and by a substance. And here you're being controlled by God. And it takes some of those same traits and makes them beautiful and strong. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Expressions of affection. You know, maybe you've kind of got those calls in the middle of the night, like, I don't know I'm to right? Like, been drinking? Or what's going on? And then they probably don't even remember it the next day. Like, well, I got your message last night. I'm like, love message. Not, that's, that's not God. Controlling that person. When God controls a person, that affection and that love comes across in a beautiful and memorable way. It's powerful. So you can see the idea here what he's saying. Singing and celebration, the same kind of thing. I mean, there's all kinds of bar songs out there, aren't there? Uh, aren't the Irish known for their bar songs They don't want to look at anybody in particular. Aren't the British or the Irish?
1: Huh? I don't know. Yeah, I okay. <laughs> Two front row ladies, no other bar songs. Uh,
0: well, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, as we're going to see, there should be a celebration or a joy in us. And so when I say filled by the Holy Spirit, what I'm talking about is we are to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You remember when I said earlier, what happens when a person's filled by the Spirit? Remember I asked at the very beginning? Here's some of the things that happen. When God controls us, we speak truth and are filled with joy. So don't let other things. And I'm not, I don't want to even just say alcohol. Obviously, it's wrong to be drunk. Don't be controlled by that. But don't be controlled by any other thing. Don't be controlled by TV. Don't be controlled by the news. Don't be controlled by it. And we know alcohol and drugs have wrecked so many families. I mean, it had a huge, a devastating effect on my family at different times. Major. So I don't want to minimize that, but I also don't want to minimize other things that you might be like, I've never touched alcohol in my life. Well, you may be being influenced and controlled by something else and not the Holy Spirit. So both are important. Don't let something else control you. The point he's making here is be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Obviously, don't be getting drunk. When God controls us, we speak truth and are filled with joy. So what does it look like when someone's filled with the Holy Spirit? You may think, oh, they go running down the aisle and they waving their hands in the air. And they're doing backflips in the aisle and singing at church and speaking in tongues. And I want to say none of those things ever uh, happen as an excitement or anything. I, I don't want to take away from um, any of that. Sometimes I feel like that can get a little bizarre. But I, I believe that there probably are some people that are, are genuinely filled with the Spirit worshiping like that. But here I think it looks a little bit more like this. Do not be... Drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. And here's what it looks like. Speaking, singing, and making melody. So speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The idea here is there's two things. One is the speaking, and the other is the singing. Where does the singing take place? In your heart. Probably what's in our heart usually comes out of our lips also, right? Right? So it'll probably come out of your lips also. But the idea here is speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Now, does that mean that I need to, to walk up to David Mitchell and start singing a hymn to him? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'd probably get socked in the nose if I went up. Instead of saying, good morning, how you doing, what's going on? And I was like, you know, try and burst into some hymn. That's not exactly what, I don't believe that's exactly what God's saying here. They didn't have the New Testament at this time. But what they did have in churches, their churches, was they had hymns and spiritual songs that they were learning that taught them the doctrine and taught them the truth about Christ. So they had all the Old Testament. And then they also had these songs. So they didn't have the books of Matthew through Revelation that we have. That's the New Testament. But what they had was they would learn these songs that would help them to learn the truth about Christ, the Messiah, now. Now. And so speaking the truth, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs is speaking the truth about Jesus. That's what they were doing. So when they're filled with the Holy Spirit, what that means is they're speaking to each other true things about God. Ministering the truth of Christ to one another. It may have involved singing a song to them, but it probably i'm thinking since he says speaking is is just using those truths that we have now for us to be filled or controlled by the holy spirit maybe someone walks up to us and they're griping about this and they're griping about that and my my tendencies go i know me too let's go get them right (laughs) but um Remind me to tell you the story later. I don't want to share in front of everybody. Um, but the uh, but in control of the Holy Spirit, what that might look like is they come to you instead of going. Yeah, I know. Let's go get him. I'm me too. I'm so mad. That's right. I might say, you know what God's Word says. I'm not I have a song for them because now I have Scripture for them. But I could say. You know, God's, God's word says not to gossip about them. So let's not do that. Um, don't put you on the spot. and understand you're just trying to vent, but, you know, I'll, I'll hear you. But then maybe we need to start working towards some forgiveness there. So what does God? That would be under the control of the Holy Spirit. You're speaking truth. And also that you would be filled with joy, singing and making melody in your heart. This has the idea of an instrument, playing an instrument. So really what it is, is that your heart becomes an instrument of praise. So in other words, a person who's filled by the Holy spirit isn't necessarily doing these uh, crazy outlandish things during a church service. And I'm not taking away from special unique situations But what I'm saying is we're supposed to be, the word here is continuously filled with the Holy spirit day in day out all day, every day. This is what he wants. Not just some thing that happens during a worship service so speaking truth we can do every single day to one another in psalms and spiritual songs but for us i would say the truths of christ the truths of scripture singing in our hearts we can be making a joyful melody which kind of leads us in to the next thing is we become grateful giving thanks always for the things of to god all things to god the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is a tough pill to swallow, guys. Give thanks when things go good. Give thanks on Thanksgiving Day. Give thanks in November, that one day. Give thanks once a week. Give thanks always for all things. Oh, come on, man. Really? Always for all things? How is that possible? I like this quote I read this week. Someone once said, "I grumbled because I had no shoes until I had met a man who had no feet." Isn't it helpful sometimes to change your perspective on things? Take a step back, and I—I am ashamed to admit it, but I can be a griper. And sometimes I have to take a step back and go, "Man, what do I have to be?" I'll hear of a tragedy that a family is going through, and I'm like, "And I have no right to be bitter or grumpy or ungrateful. I need to be grateful." God controls us, when we're under the control of the Holy Spirit, we are grateful. Um, I just want to say this. If you're like, how in the world am I supposed to do that? I would say think spiritually. Sometimes that's all I feel like I have to go towards. I can think about things and be thankful. But to really get to a place of being grateful in my heart, I have to go. This mess may never get cleaned up. But Jesus Christ loves me and gave himself up for me. Jesus Christ has promised me a home in heaven. Jesus Christ has given me the ability to talk to God. And sometimes those are the only things that you'll be able to grab a hold of in a circumstance. You're laying in a hospital bed, gasping for air, wondering if you're going to make it. And you're like, what do I have to be grateful for? you know hopefully you could reflect on your life but without a doubt in that moment you can be grateful for jesus christ and what he's done for you we all have that um what might be some reasons god wants us to be thankful i'm not going to go into that right now i'll just say real quick you know i think it would do a lot for our and i'm not saying this in a facetious way but like mental health emotional well-being to be grateful and thankful because the opposite poisons our heart, poisons our mind, and it ruins our lives. We'll become bitter and depressed is what happens when we are not thankful. We become bitter, depressed, and angry people. So it's God tells us what's right. Remember, it's God's way, our way. But when God tells us that something that's right, it's always in our best interest. You may not feel like it at the moment, but it is. And last, when God controls us, we right, rightfully respect those in authority over us. Man, this is a tough one. What's that, What's the word I'm probably going to hit here? He says, do you anyone remember it from the verse we looked at? It's an S word. Submit yourselves to one another. Submit to one another in the fear of God. Oh, okay, I'm going to end on this one, huh? How did I have to submit to God? Now you want me to submit to other people? Psh! Well, that's a fruit of walking in the spirit. Now I got this. I think this may make this pill a little easier to swallow, and that's not really my job to make it easier. But I think if we look at it biblically, we go like, okay, I think this makes a little more sense. First, who do you willingly submit to? Like, Nobody. Uh, why does the word submission often have a negative connotation? Anyone have an idea on that? Pride. Ooh, good. Control, maybe. What else? Shows weakness. Yep, for sure. Feel weak. Not teachable. Yeah. I think some ways the word has been abused, even people using scripture out of line and saying, you need to submit. And it looking really weird. Right?
1: So I think that there's a lot of
0: reasons. I think ultimately it would be probably pride and a misunderstanding of what it means to submit. What are some examples of good healthy? submission. I'm going to go, give me a few more minutes. Okay. Let me just say this, for example, before we move into this, this might help. If you think about your kid and we got a fifth grader going into six, uh, Evie and if how I would want her to behave with her teachers, I feel like gives a good idea of submission because here's one thing. Do I want her just doing what every other kid in this class says and submitting to one another? And so she's submitting to Sarah, who's lighting the trash can on fire? No. So I just don't want her submitting to anybody. I want her submitting to the rightful authority over her, which is her teacher. Now, I want, do I want her to listen to what her teacher says? Do I want her to be respectful to her teacher? Do I want her to obey the teacher? Do I want her to, uh, all those things, yes. Do I want her to be wrongly treated and say, just take it by that teacher? There's a fine line there. I don't want her being abused by that teacher. I would want her to stand up and respectfully say, that's wrong. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell my dad. I'm going to go tell the principal. No. So I feel like that is a proper idea and a biblical idea of what it means to submit. It's a respectful way of those who are put into God-given authority over us. We're going to talk more about this because the next big chunk of verses talk about it. It talks about a husband and wife relationship. It talks about kid relationship. It talks about slave and master relationship, which would be boss employee for us. So it's important for us to understand there are good and healthy ways for us to submit. And you don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater, just like I wouldn't want my daughter to throw the baby out with the bathwater and get taken for some horribly crazy ride by a teacher who is abusive or ill-intentioned or whatever it might be. Right? So it's important for us to understand what God's word says about these things. So, based on this verse, this is kind of uh, doesn't mean every single person's to submit to every other single person. Um, and even when it talks about wives, most of you are familiar with this passage wives submit yourself to your husband. That's not saying that all men are in authority over all women. That's in that unique relationship. And that is, again, we're, we'll talk more about that in weeks to come. So just like uh, kids are not to submit to parents, so it doesn't mean everybody submit. Like, Evie can't come to me and I go, like, oh, well, we're all supposed to submit to one another. So Evie told me, Carly, Evie told me I can't stay up past nine. I'm just submitting to everybody. Like, that would be idiotic, right? God's not asking us to do that. Uh, the idea of submission is that we are to allow those in authority to lead us with ease. A lot of times I think we hear that word submission and, man, we buck up with it. But the idea, I think, is to go, am I going to let my boss, God's put me in this job, he's put this guy over me, am I going to let him lead me with ease, or am I just going to argue every little point with him? Wives, am I going to argue every little point, or am I going to say, there's some things I need to say here, and say those things I need to say, but just not going to be just constantly, they call that a contentious Person, a person who just wants to argue, bicker, argue, bicker, argue, bicker, argue every little point. And the idea here is that we are to surrender to one another in love, according to God's. Tough topic, right? But are you with me here? It's it's not undoable, and it doesn't mean we become uh, robots. So, who's running your life? A couple quick things. Here's what Jesus says of the wise and the foolish. Therefore. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house and it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house and it fell and the and great was its fall. Again, the idea here is the difference between wise and foolish is those who are living God's way, doing what God says, building their life on the truth of Jesus Christ instead of what I think. Let me pray one more time. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. I do pray that we would this week be mindful of your ways, be mindful of your son, and live in light of that, not work on autopilot, not just do things our way, but that we would willingly surrender, first of all, and submit and let you lead us. And that we would let you lead us with ease and wouldn't wrestle and fight with you,
1: but that we would surrender to you. And we pray these things in your son's name, amen. Thank you for letting me take a little extra time this morning too.